Hi, this is Marjan Love, the host of Marjan's Musings on Cape Ann Television in the Blackburn Circle in Gloucester. I have a brand new topic for you this time. I took the National Novel Writers Challenge, NaNoWriMo for short. It's um, a contest. Can you write 50,000 words in 30 days? That comes out to 1,667 words a day. Now, nobody writes exactly 1,667 words a day, but that's the goal you must approach each and every day of November if you're going to win. So some days you're a little over, and some days you're a little under, and some days you stop and eat turkey and say grace and be with your family. <laughs> now, up here on the North Shore, we have a local writers group. It's called the Writers of the North Shore, and for short, they call themselves the Rhino Shores, W-R-I-N-O-S-H-O-R-E-S, Rhino Shores. And somebody thought it'd be a fun thing to get the group a mascot, so they gave the leader, Lynn Favreau, a stuffed rhinoceros, and everybody thought the rhinoceros looked lonely, so somebody brought in a stuffed seagull because there's so many seagulls up here on Cape Ann. And so Lynn's husband, Paul, is a graphic designer, and every year for the Writer's Challenge, he comes up with a new design for us that features our rhinoceros, who's become anthropomorphized into uh, a treasure hunter and a sailor. This year, he was a Secret Service man with his um, earphone and suit <laughs> and his Danny DeVito dark glasses. And Paul and Lynn have people that are called municipal liaisons who go out into the community and do write-ins. Like here in Gloucester, we go sometimes to the Pleasant Street Tea Company or the Sawyer Free Public Library or to the Rockport Public Library in Rockport. And I took the challenge and I got involved in a brand new story. It's based on something my husband told me about when he was active duty during the war in Iraq and being part of the Medical Specialist Corps, my husband was very much involved in soldier health, both physical health and mental health. And he was also involved in some of their briefings, what they were to do and what they were not to do. Now, anytime you have a large group of virile young men and you send them out without any female companion, um, that drags on for a year. Some of these fellas have been deployed four, five, six times. And so frequently, they're warned about not becoming physically involved 
with young women in whatever country they're in. And typically, they're warned to avoid women that are willing to entertain them so that they don't contract sexually transmitted diseases. Now, my husband's been through this drill. My husband is like 61 years old. He's been through this drill for years with different groups. But when they got to Iraq, the entire timbre of the education was different. And there was a very specific reason for that. Iraq is a Muslim country with a great many fundamentalist Muslims, and they do not tolerate prostitution. Um, If a woman is found to be a prostitute, It's like the Bible days where Jesus had to rescue the one woman who had five husbands, none of whom were her own. Um, Women that are found to be selling themselves are stoned. And the be careful about interacting with the locals lecture that the young fellows got about sexuality was you're not likely to get sick. There is very little sexually transmitted disease here, hardly any. But if you get a girl pregnant, her family will throw her down a dry well. Now, you have to imagine a desert country. If there wasn't irrigation, there would not be food, okay? It's a dry area. And so groundwater is capricious. There are many wells, and in wet years, they supply water. But in droughts, which occur in the desert as well as elsewhere, the wells can dry up. And one of the punishments for being promiscuous for a young woman is to be thrown into a dry well. And her family and the townsmen will hold a vigil at that well. And her lover will know that if he does not go to rescue her, she will die of thirst down in the well. If he does go to rescue her and he's deemed to be suitable, he's liable to get the beating of his life. And what we would say here in the United States, a shotgun wedding. If he's not doomed to be suitable, he can be killed with a young woman. So it takes a very courageous young man to approach the dry well to rescue the girl. And so the soldiers were warned, you know, you'll get out of this scot-free, but you'll kill your partner very likely if you get her pregnant. My husband took this to heart. He was like, wow, that's so different than other countries where there's um, trafficking of females. So he told me about this situation, and it's been rumbling around in my brain since 2010. So this year's NaNoWriMo Challenge, I decided I was going to write a story about what it would be like to be the young woman in the well. And then I thought, you know something? I'm going to do a story about two young women. I found this 
gorgeous photograph on the internet. One slender, tall, um, tan-skinned, brown-eyed young woman is holding a sign that says, She's Shia, and she is my best friend. And sitting right next to her on a bench is a fair-skinned, green-eyed young woman holding a sign that says, She's Sunni, and she is my best friend. And I looked at that image and I thought, Wow! That's really brave of them because there's secular violence between the two groups. Many people don't understand that. Like, why are these two groups of Muslims killing one another? It doesn't seem to make sense. But it's a matter of transference of power. Since here in the United States, we've just been through a very contentious election, people are kind of tuned in to what does it take to have a nonviolent transfer of power? Well, in the Muslim world, there were two groups immediately at the death of Muhammad the prophet. One group wanted Muhammad's sons and their sons and their great-grandsons on in ad venitum to be the rulers of the Muslim world. And the other group wanted the leaders to be elected by consent of the governed. And that's the schism between the two groups. It's who becomes the mullah, who becomes the teacher and the community leader. And they went separate paths from the very beginning, and their practices have shifted somewhat. So I focused on that in the book, but I didn't separate the two girls that way. I separated the one girl from her handsome young lover. She's one sect, he's the other. So my two heroines, one's named Hoda, and the other one's named Alina. And they are both going to be engaged with a very wise woman, Kadira Nuha. Now, this is a work in project, a project in process, so I will keep you posted as to how I do. But as of this recording today on December 1st, I'm up to 69,000 words and still cranking away on this new book. So send me your best wishes for women in the well. That's all for now. This is Marjan Love, the host of Marjan's Musings on Cape Ann Television. And this has been the first podcast about women in the well.